So if you're new, um, today is, is what I've called now for the 18th time, Vision Day. Um, it is a day that we relive the past year and talk about the new year and what we're hoping to accomplish and where we're headed and those sorts of things. Um, so to start today, I need to start with a confession to you. And I need to go back to 2018. 2018 was an absolutely miserable year. Okay, uh, as a church, uh, it was just, it was awful. Now, God still did good things in spite of us and in spite of me, um, but, but it was just, everything went wrong in 2018. So it's in those moments that I stop and I look in the mirror. And uh, so, so basically the confession is to you that I'm putting 2018 squarely on my shoulders. Okay, so I'm just, I'm laying that out there. And um, to explain it this way, um, we weren't ready as a church for what I thought we were ready for. Okay, so if you imagine this, have you, have you ever pushed a car that doesn't have an engine working? Right? Anybody ever done that? I mean, so w- what is the worst thing about pushing a car? If it stops, because once the momentum's done, you got to start all over again. 2018 was a year of loss of momentum. So 2019 then, coming forward a year, was a year for me to refocus, um, to put my hands back on the car, as it were, uh, and, and, and we saw 2019 become a year of momentum, and it was... Uh, it was way better. Or as, as Lou Holtz once said about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish when he coached them, we're not as good as we need to be, but thank God we're better than we used to be. <laughs> right? So 2019 was better than 2018, and, and we saw God do some really cool stuff. Uh, we saw lives changed, uh, dramatically transformed. Uh, it, was, it was really a fascinating thing. We saw people grow in their faith. We saw uh, new ministries started, and, and, and 2019 was, was really cool. But way, the way we set it out in 2019 was this, though. Uh, we basically stole a ministry plan from a group in Wales and uh, made it fit us. But basically, we said there are a few things we're going to do. First of all, we're going to prayer walk. We're going to acknowledge the fact that anything good that happens is God's fault. And so we prayer walked. And, and once a month, we met and we would walk through different parts of the neighborhood, which we're going to continue, by the way, next Saturday. Love to have you join us um, next Saturday from 9 to 10. We'll meet in the Welcome Center. Um, but, but realizing that, you know what? This is about him, not us, and his ability, not ours. All right? Then we talked about opening our homes, and we talked about having block parties, which we haven't done yet. They're still on the agenda. Uh, but finding ways to connect to our neighbors. And so our agenda was so full. Our, our calendar was so full last year, we just really weren't able to pull that off. But it is back on the docket. Um, so that's one of the things that we wanted to accomplish we didn't get to, but we're, we're hoping to. Um, then we just said that, you know what, we need um, to find, to interact with people. We need to meet with people. We need to get to know people. Uh, we need to hang out with people, basically. And so we have made it a priority to do simple things like uh, go caroling on cr- at Christmas time in, in all of the, the restaurants and bars as, on Edgewood. Um, 
we've, we've done other things like that. Then we talked about, you know, we need to find the needs that are there and find ways to meet those needs. And so we've done that. We, uh, we started um, what we call Beers and Big Questions. Um, where we will use a part of uh, Fish Weir Brewery. Uh, actually, it is the, uh, what is that room called? It's, it's the tap room, yes. It's where they store all the beer. It smells fantastic, by the way. And so, uh, but we will talk about big questions. And so, like, for example, we talked about why is there evil? Questions don't get much bigger than that, right? And so to create an atmosphere where those of us who follow Jesus can bring light to um, tough questions for people. So we, uh, we, we've started that. We moved our fall festival down to the Murray Halloween, and we saw a lot of really positive results from, from that. And so uh, being careful to see needs and meeting needs as far as the community uh, needs them. And we realize that our focus needs to be children, uh, families with children. Okay, and so um, those are the primary things we focused on last year. And again, we saw momentum come back. Uh, it is starting, and we're, we're seeing that as a positive thing. So thank you for all you've done in 2018. Thank you for being patient with me. And uh, we're, I'm excited about what God's gets up to and going to do next. So as we talk about 2020 then, we go back to the same passage that we've talked about for the last 18 years. We go back to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And the reason we do that is because that's the ideal. If there's ever a, a description of the church and what it should be, it's Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. Now, there were several things, several miracles that happened on the day of Pentecost. Jesus had ascended, um, and, and the disciples were waiting and praying. And as they were praying, the building they were in shook, the wind blew, and the Spirit came upon them. And three miracles happened that day. The first was is that the disciples were able to speak in languages they didn't know. The second was is that Peter, Peter preached a sermon, and 3,000 people became followers of Jesus after the first sermon. How incredibly exciting and how incredibly difficult to organize that would have been. 3,000 from, from 420 to 3,420 in one day. Whew, that's something. The third miracle that happened was the church was established. The only eternal organization to ever exist was established. And so it was this first church that lived and modeled for us who we are to be and what we're supposed to be like. So we see a description of them in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's page 1092, 1092. Just imagine this place, and not really this place, but this people. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Incredible, powerful story of how God designed the church to be and the church in its purest form. Just a fantastic description of who we need to strive to be with God's help. A couple of things I want to point out today in the story, and these are actually different uh, than any of the other 18 years. Um, 
The first one is this, is that the kingdom became the center of everything for those people. The kingdom of Jesus became the center of everything. See, I, th- I think we look at that story, and what we read is that they quit working, they, they quit doing, having the responsibilities of paying bills and doing all the things that normal people do, but that's not what happened. They kept living their lives, and they kept doing all the things that they had to do. But in the midst of that, they centered their world around Jesus and his kingdom, and it changed everything. It gave them a whole new outlook on life. In fact, they they built their world around Jesus and his teachings and the things that he accomplished. And that was what mattered more than anything else. Yes, they kept going to work. Yes, they kept paying their bills. Yes, they kept taking care of their families. They kept doing all the things that normal people do. But for the first time, it was all about Jesus. They went to work for Jesus. They cared for their families for Jesus. They paid their bills in Jesus' name. Paid their taxes or whatever. They did it all for Jesus and his kingdom's sake. And, and I think sometimes we forget that they were real people worshiping the same exact God that we worship. And the truth was that Jesus became the center of everything. Now, did you know that when you get up every morning, there is something that drives you? There is something that drives you to do whatever it is you're going to do. It may be making money. It may be making friends. It may be having power. It may be accomplishing some goal you set. Whatever it is, something drives you. But as followers of Jesus Christ, what needs to drive us is the king and his kingdom. Now, I'm not a baseball guy. But I know that the baseball world is in a horrible mess right now. And if you don't know what happened, it turns out the Houston Astros cheated the year they won the World Series. So what happened was, and so I've watched a little bit of a video about this and, and saw the videos that are, uh, have accused them, etc. And so basically what they did is they had a camera in center field, and it was actually the TV camera, and they would plug into that somehow, And they had two guys in the tunnel of the dugout that would watch the video and they would learn the signals of the catcher. And so if it was a fastball that was coming, nothing happened. But if it was a different kind of pitch, they had a trash can and a bat and they would hit the trash can and make this loud bong. And so the batter would know one bong meant one kind of pitch, two bongs meant a different kind of pitch, no bong meant a fastball. And they won the World Series. That's crazy, isn't it? I mean, that's just as bad as deflated footballs. <laughs> but see, here, here's what happened. is Whoever was in charge of making this decision and deciding that it was okay, they decided that winning was more important than baseball. The integrity of the game has been attacked. And what they've done, whether they realize it or not, is they have risked the whole thing for baseball. It's like there's a good chance people will, well, I'm done if people are just going to cheat, right? So winning became, and I get wanting to win. I I get that, right? I'm a Cowboy fan. I've been wanting to win for 25 years, right? (laughs) I I, I understand the wanting to win, but, but winning became so important that it became more important than the big picture. 
And I think what happens to us spiritually is sometimes we get so caught up in stuff, even sometimes it's good stuff, that we forget about the big stuff. And the big stuff is the king and his kingdom. And everything we do, everything about us, should be about him. Man, and that's what the first church got. I mean, look how Luke described him. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They were freaking out because all the amazing things God was doing. Uh, they were together and had everything common. If somebody had a need, they would sell something so that that person's need was met. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They, they did life together. Because what mattered the most was the king and his kingdom. And all of these characteristics happened as a result of that. And so I think it's, it's key for us to look at that first church and see it in its purity and understand that the thing that was driving them was Jesus. And just let me say, as congregations, it's real easy to be driven by other stuff. It's real easy to be driven by things that don't matter. Right? But it is the king and his kingdom that matter, matter most. You know? It, it's, it's not about winning. The king's already won. It's about committing ourselves as individuals and a fellowship to him. Well, the second thing that they did is that they sacrificed for the greater good. It's always uh, amazed me, in verse 44, all the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And so what they did was, is that they were willing to sacrifice whatever was required of them to make whatever needed to happen, happen. Think about that. Specifically, I was talking about people in need, people who weren't being able to make it, then they would sell property. Now, have you ever processed what that means? If you have a piece of land, and there's a need in the church, and the need in the fellowship, you say, you know what? I'm going to sell that piece of property and give the money to the, to, the, to the fellowship. That's pretty much all in, right? I mean, I, I don't, I, I mean, I'm going to sell a rental house and give the money to the kingdom and whatever's needed. Because, you know, they, they looked at things differently. You see, what we've done with, with Christianity is we've looked at it as, what does it have to offer me? What's there for me? What can I get out of this? You know, Jesus promised peace and joy and, and all of these things. So, so what's in it for me? But, but if you read Jesus and what he taught, the call wasn't for us to get those things, though that is a part of it. The call was to take up your cross daily and follow me. Jesus said, come willing to sacrifice yourself, whatever I ask you to do. And then when you do that, then you'll have peace and you'll have joy and you have all those things that you're searching for. And so those people were all in. It not only was about the king and the kingdom, it was about I will give him whatever he requires of me, even if it requires my life. I'll give everything. And you know, that's what Jesus has called us to. Folks in the Middle East who become followers of Jesus, they know what it means 
for Jesus to say, come die for me. They're willing to do it. It's not an easy road to get there, but when they get there, they're all in. And I think we have to realize that, that these folks, they didn't really even know it yet, but they were sacrificing their lives. But they were ready to. If you just go on to the next chapter, they start getting beaten. And I find out real fast, oh, this is going to cost me. But it's okay, because at the end of the chapter 4, and in chapter 4, they, they walk away celebrating because they got to get beaten. How weird is that? Because it was an honor to suffer for the king. And so uh, we, we look at them, and, and they, were, they were all in. They built their world around Jesus. They were all in, regardless of what he, he, he may cost them. They were willing to give up their rights. They were willing to give up anything that he asked. Because it was about him. And so today, as we move into 2020 and, and talk about that, I, I just want to encourage you. There are all kinds of things we can live for. But there's only one that's eternal. The only one that matters. You know, there's a lot of good things we can focus on. But there's one perfect thing we can focus on. So... As we look forward to 2020 and, and the things that are coming, there's several things that I want to share with you. Now, before we do this, I'm going to tell you that today you're going to be talking a lot about one of these. Okay? And it's the last one I'm going to talk about because it's the one thing you're going to remember today. Right? But I want to tell the other ones so that you know that they're out there. Okay? So you following? See, I got your attention with that. That's a good speaker's trick, right? Yeah, he's like, what is he going to say? So, 2020, here's what I hope we can do. The, the first thing that I, I would like for us to do is to build on the momentum that has been started, to continue doing the things that we have begun, uh, to continue investing in the community the way we have with Murray Halloween, uh, with uh, the bike rodeo that's coming for the kids, um, also, the, the beers and big questions and those sorts of things. And, and hopefully to add uh, the block parties to that. Um, man, if you, haven't, if, if you haven't hung out in Murray Hill, people really want community. They really are desperate to hang out together. And it seems like a church ought to be pretty good at being able to pull that off. Right? So uh, I, just, I, I want us to build on those things that we started with prayer walking again next Saturday, 9 o'clock. Welcome, Center. Hope you're there. Um, a second thing that we want to do that I think we really need to do is there's some stuff around the building that has to be done. Now, you've heard me say for 18 years, I despise spending money on a building. I would rather spend the money to, to start a church or to feed someone who's hungry. Right? But I know that as pastor, one day, uh, I'm going to pass the leadership of this on to somebody. I, I'm sure I won't get to choose them, but somebody else is going to take this over. And, and one of the dreams that I have, one of the goals I have personally, is to pass along a situation that's better than the one I inherited. Okay? And that's not a slam on anybody in the past, but I just think that's my job. Um, and so part of that... Our building is paid for. We have to take care of it. But there's several things that we need to do, 
right? So the gray house over here and the, the, the garage and the, the um, playground that's behind it need to be gotten rid of. Okay, they are an eyesore. The playground is no longer functional. Uh, we need to get rid of those. Okay, that's not that big of a deal, but, but it does need to be done. Secondly, uh, we need to fix the mission house so that it can be used by furloughing missionaries again. And uh, again, not a huge deal, but, but something that those of us who in the church, we can help take care of that and fix that, but that needs to be accomplished, and it will cost us a little bit of money. The third thing that we need to do is we need to redo the men's restroom. Um, you know, every once in a while I hear a, a complaint about the women's restroom, and I just want to say, come in the men's restroom with me, <laughs> right? Uh, it, it's overdue, it needs to happen, um, and so we, we need to, to get that process done. The other one, and that's probably the biggest one, is we need to get a new elevator. Uh, we realized that on the Sunday that we were helping carry people down the stairs. So, we need to, uh, we need to do those things. My guess is uh, the closest estimate is eighty-five dollars to $90,000 to do all of that, right? So here's, here's what's going to happen. We've already, the elders, and we as elders have already talked about it. Uh, I'm going to meet with the finance team, and uh, we're going to talk about the best way to raise money for this. And so just letting, giving you a heads up, we're going to be asking you for money, okay? And we can talk about it all we want to. But until the money's there, we can't do it. So, but here's the deal. Carolyn Jones, our financial secretary, would smack me if I didn't say this. Any money that we give to the building is above and beyond what we already give. So you hear that? It's above and beyond. So we continue giving at the level we're giving. Understand that? It's above and beyond, all right? So we still have to pay bills and those sorts of things. Um, and those are things that just need to be done and need to be taken care of so we can move on to other projects uh, that, that need to happen in the coming years. Uh, the third thing that I want to do is that we need to do um, is two mission trips this year. Uh, of course, Wells is already set on the calendar, and uh, there will be eight of us going. And if you are interested in going to Wells, let me tell you a little bit about it. Uh, it is primarily a prayer trip. Uh, we walk and we pray. Uh, this year will be a little different. Uh, it looks like we're going to be going to um, the pubs at night and letting someone entertain so we can interact with people there. Um, and so we go and we pray and we meet people. And that's pretty much it. Um, but a fascinating story of what's happened in Wales. 1914, Wales, 98% of the people were in church. Today, less than 5% are. In 100 years, Christianity all but died out in Wales. And so we work with a group called Lingua Christi, uh, who is very determined to bring the gospel into native languages and native tongues, and that, of course, is Welsh. And uh, so we invite you to that. The second mission trip that we're going to take is back to Canada. We uh, had lunch. We were fortunate to have lunch with Jason and Kimberly McGibbon this week, and uh, we began the process of talking about taking a group back to Canada, to, to Hamilton, Ontario. And that trip is much more of a uh, work trip. Uh, be cleaning, cleaning lots or mowing yards or doing those sorts of things. Um, and so the, the, the reason we do mission trips is, first of all, to help us understand we're part of something much, much bigger than us. Okay? And, and sometimes we forget that this kingdom of Jesus covers the whole earth, not just our little part of it. 
All right. Also, it, it connects people in community in ways that nothing else really can. And then thirdly, we realize that we can be on mission here in Jacksonville every day. Okay. And so the mission trips are really big. All right. The last one is 2020 is the year that I really think it's time for us to change the name of the church. Okay, hear me out before you throw things. Um, so here, here's the deal. Um, 2005 was the first time I wanted to do that. Um, but as I told the elders, so many people were already mad at me. I just, it, was, it wasn't a good time. By 2008, when I thought about it again, we had built such a great reputation in the Murray Hill community, it made no sense. But now here's what's happening. I'm hearing story after story after story of people inviting their friends to church who won't come because they'll ask what church it is, and as soon as they hear that B word, that's it. So I, I look at that, and I process, and I think, okay, there's two things we can do. One, we can convince the whole Jacksonville community that Baptists aren't as bad as they think they are. Or we can remove the obstacle. It's pretty simple to me, okay? But for those of you who are concerned about this, let me assure you of a couple things. First of all, I started attending the Baptist church nine months before I was born. For those of you that have been doing this for a while, I was a part of church training, RAs. My dad was a deacon in the Baptist church. Please understand this. Being Baptist does not mean you have Baptist in your name. Right? If you believe that, you don't know anything about Baptist history. Baptists are the anti against anybody telling them what to do. All right? Uh, there is no such thing as independent Baptist. We're all independent Baptists. Baptists choose to participate in what they're going to participate in. We join together by supporting missions. That's it. And where the headquarters is in Nashville, uh, if they decide that they want us to do something, we can just go, we don't want to do it. There's not a thing in the world they can do about it. Okay? So, hear me say that a lot of the churches with the big fancy names right now are Baptist churches. They just don't tell people. They're in our association. I talk to their pastors. They're still Baptist. So here's the deal. When we talk about the kingdom and we talk about connecting to people, why in the world would we carry the baggage of what other people are doing all around town and all across the world when it's preventing people from hearing about Christ? That makes absolutely no sense told you that's the one you're going to remember. And you're going to have questions about that. Don't know what that looks like, how it's going to happen, or even what the name is. Just getting started. But it's time for us to begin the process and to make it happen. Right? So, with all of that, 2020 is ahead. A lot to do, a lot to happen. Momentum has started. Uh, get behind the car with me and let's push really hard. And let's see what God does. Right? So, let's pray together. And as we pray, here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine what an Acts 2 church would look like in 2020. 
I want you to imagine a church where unity reigns. Imagine a church where no one is under-resourced. Imagine a church where the generations can come together and worship and lift up the name of our King. Imagine a church that is known for its love for other people. A church where people's failures are not held against them. And they find love even when they don't think they deserve it. Imagine a church where people can ask questions and instead of getting judged, they're listened to. A church where non-believers hear the truth of the gospel and believers grow in their faith and are so passionate about Jesus and his word I just have to have more. And imagine a church that is known as a place where Jesus is loved and celebrated. See, I I believe that's still possible. I believe we're closer now than we were in 2002. And it's not going to look like the, the church that the world thinks we should look like. Or even other churches think we should look like. But it's a church where Jesus is king. And so this morning, for this prayer time, I want to invite you, if you will, if you're interested, if you're led to, to come to the front and pray with me, to pray for 2020, to pray for this community of faith, that we will be everything God wants us to be, that we will see souls transformed, that we will see souls added daily to the number of people who are being saved. So if you'd pray that with me, please join me up front.